back, everyone, to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Justin, and I am joined by... Maybe Beth, maybe Don Beveridge. Place your votes now. Sam. And I'm Jonathan Frakes. Does it ever seem to you like things always tend to go wrong just as you're starting to have a good time? Maybe you're sharing a drink with some friends in Clubs' shop. Or maybe you're trading a few jokes with your friends in Clubs' shop. Or maybe you're simply trying to sit back and relax. Does this shop have some truth, or is the validity of this story just another missed connection? I'm Jonathan Frakes, and this is Beyond Belief. What the hell? All right, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna cut about two thirds of that and then put it back in during the outro. <laughs> Fair enough. I wish this was a visual medium so that people could see the abject delight on my face, and then they could see me in full Jonathan Frakes costume. <laughs> It's also an ongoing, uh, always another podcast bit that Sam and Caleb do not know what each other look like. So Sam, you have a new Caleb casting, Jonathan Frakes. Uh, still Alex Yeek. Jonathan Frakes dressed up as Yeek Man. <laughs> I have not been cast by you, I don't think. I'm still brainstorming. Okay. That'll go in the last episode, when we're doing our wrap-up final casting call. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be the final one. I don't know if this is gonna get cut or not, but just for just for clarity's sake, yeah, Sam doesn't know what I look like, and he insists that I look like the main character from Yik, a postmodern RPG, which is one of the uh, most devastating insults that's ever been leveled against me. Um, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> We've uh, here here. I'm I'm actually gonna call this, and I actually think we should do this. Last episode that we record should be in person and before that happens uh 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 mr alex yickman needs to cast me uh so that we can compare notes all right we're we're booking it it is it has been so declared and witnessed by the obligator that is recorded media two boxings Excellent. wait two boxings that gets me to do something that's not how it works it is now i need to be giving the boxings we're just gonna roll with it <laughs> okay then We've been recording for three and a half minutes, and we are so far afield of the rails that I can't even see them anymore. How's everyone doing? I'm oh, fantastic. <laughs> I'm looking at some rails. I'm sitting pretty, because this was a good episode for me, prediction-wise. I, I want to I wanna stay from... I, yeah, I know we'll get into it later. I just want to say from the outset, I think I get about 20 podcast points for correctly predicting that Shan Alariel doesn't really care about Vin and is just trying to make a move against Elend. I think I get I think I got a solid 20 points for that. Uh, also, Sam, congratulations on the 3,872 points you earned this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this we will certainly get there as we go through, but uh, there are a couple of things on the predictions list that Beth and I specifically noticed when they were made as being very accurate and very ahead of time yeah and this this was the first one this was the first one that had a major payoff so well done to sam for that Woo! put on the board but yeah here we are with uh chapters 29 30 and 31 this is the middle of part four of the final empire and it is it is all gas from here we are yeah really getting into it i I can't wait to go over what we read for this section. I can't wait to see what comes next. It's uh, it's going to be a wild ride. 
Let's get which actually it. was one of Sam's uh, would-be interesting predictions, was it will be wild. And I have already confirmed it. <laughs> <laughs> Another true, green, green cell for me. <laughs> Wait, sorry, was that in the probably won't happen but would be interesting if section? There's a couple of subcategories that are all kind of merged in there. I just have the column labeled as would be interesting. Fair. Okay, I think we really should just get into the chapters because there's... A lot that occurs and we can really dig into it it's all gas from here we start off with a uh, someone reading a book <laughs> hell yeah yes for like three pages of this book uh but before that even we get this is another double dose of epigraphs we start with a, a brand new one to us uh we have the um the hero of of times past talking about uh, his relationship with Quan, the one who had kind of discovered him as the hero. And we learned earlier that Quan had actually since recanted and, and kind of betrayed him. And the, the author of these epigraphs doesn't know what to make of that. And then we jump immediately from that into Vin, who has been reading this logbook begrudgingly. And we get... A, uh, a significant portion, starting with It's Almost Over, which it is. We only have two episodes left. Uh, and then all the way down to Tomorrow It Will End, which is not true. We've got lots <laughs> more time to record this. I do have to say, I love your description of Quan discovering the hero of Egypt's past, because now I just picture the terrorists of centuries ago just being like sports scouts who are looking <laughs> for the next big thing. And... This is the guy, you know. I know he's not from around here, but he's got the Number talent. One trust prospect. me. Um, and then, and then after uh, after the the spring training, Quan's like, mm, "Might have been wrong about that one. That was a that was a, that was a bad call." But the funny thing is that everyone else is now convinced. Oh yeah, he's scoring homers, and 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 Quan's just the one being like, uh, "Whatever the energy was there, he's lost it. He's, he's off his game." Sure, you're scoring the runs, buddy. But you've, you you don't love the game anymore, and that's what's important. Now casting Joe Madden as uh, Quan. There's another very casual little tidbit about this logbook writer's morality that I dig. Just, the others all think I should have had Quan executed. To tell the truth, I'd probably kill him this moment if I knew where he'd gone. Which is, there's just so much packed into that of, this was the guy who discovered me, but I would just kill him, but I honestly don't have time. And there, yeah. is, there is still the element of, I couldn't kill him in the moment, which, again, is like, obvious, obviously the I would kill him now is, is certainly telling, but there's still some semblance of a heart to this guy, which is still yeah. really interesting. So jumping from that snippet that we have into the extensive section that Vin is reading uh, this is right before uh, the hero is actually reaching uh, the well of ascension uh, and there's a couple of things that we've got here we hear that uh, Fedic, one of the members of their group was attacked by the the creature made of mist uh, we hear more about the terrorismen this is presumably uh, some of the things that um Sazed was, was considering that Vin would be reading about, uh, that perhaps they've saved up some heat to uh, help them in the cold because they're up in the mountains. Uh, Rashik is still causing the issues that we've heard about before. 
Rashik apparently thinks that the the Terrasmen uh, deserve to be dominant over the Clenny uh, because of the the abilities that they have. And then we just have some we have some introspection before what will probably be one of the most important events in the the history of this world. And then it ends. Bam! Yeah. Close the book. I it, it I just got. I don't think this will happen, but I just got like a sinking horror in my soul of what if Brandon decided to end this book the same way of like right as they get to credit Shaw to do the heist it just ends with no explanation that would be a, a certain type of author could pull that off and have it not be completely maddening but I would not keep reading <laughs> the next book probably won't happen but would be frustrating <laughs> yep yep um also, an interesting tidbit about Fedek. Um, not only did he get attacked by the Creature of Mist, but he hasn't been quite the same since, which I would consider interesting. <laughs> I would, too. Um, and I was... I, I don't know if it was because I was reading late at night, and that's just when when my brain do, does strange things. But I suddenly got very, very sad when I read... Um, we're talking about Rashek, he is such a young man to be so angry. That line just makes me really sad. I don't, it's just, it's the idea of someone being very young and just being angry at the world, angrier than everyone around him. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just, it's not, doesn't make me feel good things. And we also have uh, the author wishing to fade into obscurity and never be hated or loved. And um, that didn't go too well. <laughs> He just wants to be a dude again. Just, he's just a guy. And, and that's hard to do when the fate of some good portion of the world is, is at stake. But yeah, that was that's the end of that part that's written out was the night before that everything happened. Uh, and Vin, who has apparently... This, this story has convinced her, even if she's probably still not much of a reader, uh, she does really want to know what happened and is is eager to get the rest of the translation from Sezid once he finishes it. So she goes and tracks him down. He is uh, doing just some kind of regular terrace work, uh, keeping up the, the mansion. Uh, and he says, that's it. That is all that was in the book. He, he's translated all of it, and he's given it to the crew and to Vin, and, and there's no more. I love how indignant Vin gets about that. She goes to find him at his usual oh, translating spot. He's not there. Well, wherever he is, he better be working on the translation. She finds says, and is like, where's the last part? He goes, I gave it to you. She goes, what? Baby's first <laughs> I do, I, I do love that, like, just from reading this book, she has been able to figure out that she doesn't mind reading. She just doesn't like the way the Lord Ruler writes. If only he put more detail in, the, just, in what things look like. It's just, it's very fun to me that, um... She's identified the actual reason she doesn't like reading, and it's because the style is not good in this particular book, she thinks. I think it's interesting that, um, you know, Kelsier was really hoping that the, uh, the logbook would have information on Allomancy. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have a lot of apples in that basket. I, I think it's interesting that it doesn't talk about Allomancy at all. Not one bit, not from what we've seen, no. So, well, I mean, I guess we'll talk about it in the interesting section. But that's interesting, isn't it? It's very, very interesting. I mean, I think that ties in with one of the theories I've already put on the table, which is that uh, whatever happens next is what, like, 
introduced allomancy into the world, which I still am feeling feeling pretty. Uh, I feel good on that one. Oh yeah. Well, uh, that's probably what I was gonna say. So I'll give you, if if that lands, then that's your points. Cool. So. Well, I'll share a couple <laughs> points. All right. Toss toss me a couple coins. Sure. I got I got the twenty points for the Shan thing. I'm I'm looking back on our our list. Uh, I do see that Sam had had raised the question of did Alamancy exist in in this time period, but I don't know if that was put down as a, a an actual thing that may or may not have been true. I think it was just a question. Ask the fans about that one. I'm pretty sure I said that out loud, but I could be wrong. Could yeah, it could be a combo. In which case, we're definitely sharing points. It is a combo in in Caleb's column. It does say deepness event started Alamancy. Boom. Ah, that's oh, where it is. Yes. Lost among such other great notes as the column simply labeled Caleb questions, I guess, which has one note that says something that Caleb forgot. Yes. <laughs> I got back to that. I figured out the thing I said, though. <laughs> that could be deleted. That entire column could be deleted. I haven't edited that episode yet, so I don't remember <laughs> what you said. I do, because I remember remembering it, okay. but I'll leave it to you to figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> so of the the three people who we've been following who have been reading this logbook, uh, Kelsier, uh, Vin, and Sazed himself, uh, we, like like Sam said, Kelsier was really looking for Allomancy info uh, and did not get that. Vin was looking for, I guess, kind of just the the history of it, of what actually happened to the Lord Ruler, uh, and didn't get that. And Sazed got quite a bit about the uh, the history of the Terrace people, which has been sorely lacking up to this point. So he is he's taking this rather well. In you know he's also of course saddened that it it doesn't continue on, but the info that he has gotten is is quite considerable. Yeah, much like ancient Mexican history, the only way to learn it is by the uh, Journals of the Conquerors. Super great. Nothing problematic about <laughs> that at all. Mm -hmm. And Sazed also notes that um, perhaps one of the reasons why this particular journal just stops here is that maybe you don't need to keep a journal anymore if you're immortal. If there's never going to be someone else there without you, why bother? So yeah, this is this is it. And Sazed says, I think we can surmise what happened, which is that the Lord Ruler took up the power, uh, saved the world because they're all still here. And then maybe that changed him in some way that uh, has has led to the man that, that is now the Lord Ruler. There's a, uh, as, as Vin and Sazed chat, there's some some fun banter with the, the continued theme of uh, Sazed is not a very good terraceman and knows it. Uh, where he is, he's poking fun at Vin for now being a scholar. Uh, and, and she says, has my Terraceman suddenly become a smart mouth? And he's like, he always has, I think. I love the two of them. No other thoughts beyond that. Just, mm -hmm. just them. It's good. Yeah. They're good. They're good. And Vin is thinking about what's next because she can feel it is this plan is, is coming to an end one way or another. And then the ones of them that are alive at least because that's still on the table of you know they're they might just all die but if they do survive they're probably going to go their separate ways because that's the way that these crews tend to work they come together for a job and and then that's it 
and this is this is a little painful for Vin because this is this is a family that she's found that she actually likes. Another instance. Put put it on the board. Vin is happy, and we learned that because she's sad about being happy. <laughs> yeah, she she's not that happy in this particular moment on account of how the happiness may be ending soon. Can never quite get there. Mm-hmm. And as says it is trying to kind of help her through, help her think through these things. Uh, he gets to present another religion to her. We hear about the Astalsi people. Uh, one of their beliefs was that everyone has a, a finite amount of bad luck. And so when bad things happen to you, well, that's just more time in the future that you're not going to have to deal with that bad luck. So perhaps you can you can work through the bad times and, and on to the good times. Uh, Vin continues to be a skeptic of all of these religions that Sazed pitches, and, and she says, well, then isn't the good luck finite too? And that doesn't that mean that good things mean that it's going to be worse <laughs> later? Which is a very Vin take on this yeah. situation. <laughs> I seriously, I, I really like the Astalsi religion so far. Yeah. Like that That is like, uh, it's a transformative viewpoint if you buy into it, and there's no stakes in buying into it. So I, maybe I'll just buy into it in real, regular life. The Astalsi never existed in our regular world, in our in our human Earth 616 <laughs> world. But I'll take it. I be, I'll believe in that. Ironically, I also really connected to this, um, but for a much different reason. Was it their their study of color? Uh, no, although that was cool. Um, uh, the reason why is because uh, I decided at one point that if I were to ever have a stand as featured in the hit show JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, um, that it would function similarly to this, where you can store up bad luck and good luck and choose to expend it at certain times. Um, so the idea of having a finite amount of luck is something that's actually a concept I have thought about in a decent amount of depth before. I need to check a thing real quick. Can you look up JoJo so you can watch it later? Yeah, I understand. No, I need to look up the full ferrochemical table. I, I also wondered the idea of storing up things and then this thing about luck. I was wondering if uh, that's something that could potentially be uh, plopped in so there. I'm, I'm going to say in... Vi so there are some things that get revealed um, outside of the, the plot of a book either because someone asked Brandon at a, a signing or on a, a an, an online event or something like that, or just when he publishes like the, the full, um, I think the first time that we got the, like the full and complete Allomancy and Ferrochemy chart, um, there were some, uh, there were some metals on there that we hadn't had specifically for Ferrochemy. We hadn't had what they actually do in book, but it was just on the chart. Uh, and I will say on the, the full Ferrochemy chart, uh, fortune is a thing that can be stored. Interesting. It is, it, it is a little more complicated than luck, and we don't know all the details about it. Um, I'm just kind of going down a, a, a deep dive on the <laughs> copper mind right now. Uh, I'm seeing a, a note from Brandon that there's a good reason why we haven't seen uh, characters who, who use fortune in their... Uh, their abilities because he is saving that for a very specific story this is Ooh. why i so by this point literally always have a copper mine tab open just so that i can go on oh, these yeah. deep dives as fast as possible <laughs> it's faster what i'm not allowed to look Correct. at that i wonder how far back the time machine goes because they have an awesome feature called time machine 
I think you looked at this, this up at the beginning of the podcast, and it doesn't quite go as far as like yeah as this book, but yeah, because you far back if I you can set it back to okay. It only goes back to um, before Words of Radiance, which is well after the entire Mistborn trilogy was written. Alas. Well, Brandon, if you want to consult me in my stand, bad day, or as the copyright safe translation would be, rough day, uh, you're welcome to give me a call. I am sure he will get right on that. I know he's listening right now. Is Rough Day a band? No, Bad Day is an REM song. Right. Well, maybe it is, but well, then now I have to come up with a different copyright safe name. Uh, no, the, the the name of the initial name is uh, uh, an actual song, and then you have to come up with a copyright safe version. Well, Vin doesn't quite buy into the Astalsi or or any of the other ones that says it has uh, brought up so far, and. We go from there to uh, a a little bit more of a, a dive into Ferrakemi, which is something that we've been getting in, in very small bits and pieces, but we get a little bit more here. We hear about a couple of other uh, ferrochemical powers in addition in more detail. Um, Sazed says that some of them are a lot like Allomancy uh, in that he can, you know, he can get stronger, he can get faster. He mentions memories as really the, the kind of really unique one that that he at least considers to be the the most important uh, and then there's some strange ones like uh weight or age uh vin's very curious about age you know could you um like could you just live forever uh and he says you have to remember that fair Kemi, there's always a balance where you would have to become older to store up age and then could release that back to to become younger so it wouldn't quite work that way. Be great for disguises, though. Could just be an old man. It would, day. yeah, yeah. Very quick tangent that probably won't be quick, but the idea of like you have the number that you got to live to, and you can like take and pull from it, but you can't live forever. Reminded me of the. Does anyone know that one music video where everybody has the timer over their head that counts down to when they're gonna die, and the one person has life saved, so his life gets longer? Does that ring a bell for anybody? Not no, a clue. There was a but I'm the wrong person there to ask. There was a Justin Timberlake movie that did a similar thing, wasn't there? In, in time. time. Not thinking of that, but yes, In Time is a thing where you can buy more life, I think is the main thing, and they have to go mm. on a, a life heist to stealing life from the rich people. That's rad. That movie includes the line, you took years off my father's life. Literally. <laughs> Literally took years off his father's life. Her father's life, yep. And then during this discussion, uh, Vin decides to do a science. She is apparently becoming a scholar of some sort uh, because she wants to see what happens if she uh, tries to burn a bit of metal that has ferrochemical stores in it. Uh, and Sazed gives it a thought and, and he can't recall what the outcome of this should be. He, he says maybe someone has tried it, but he doesn't know the, the result offhand. And... Uh, so they give it a try. There's a, a small earring that is, um, it's pewter. It has a little bit of strength in it. Uh, and Vin goes ahead, swallows the little bit, and nothing happens at first. And then she says she can feel, she can kind of sense the power, but can't do anything with it. Uh, and, and he says, well, this is, this is a lot like what happens if you try to use someone else's metal mines. And that makes a lot of sense to him that it would work that way with Allomancy as well. So 
it's a, a negative experiment for Vin and she's disappointed because in her mind, if she does science, she wants to discover something right away. Uh, but Cesar kind of tries to let her down gently and says, you know, it was a good idea and and probably someone has tried it before and and experimented and they found the same thing that you did. So that's not so bad. I do like that it's not just, oh, I don't feel anything. There is a little bit of something happening there. It's just not enough to be useful. Uh, I, 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 I enjoy that there's kind of a, uh, um, you know, the two science systems don't like directly overlap, but it's not like they're completely divorced from each other. She can right. still feel a little shade of something. I also like that instead of spending that time pondering the great magic systems developed by Brandon Sanderson, I wondered, could I swallow an earring? And then I looked at the earrings I was wearing and went, yeah, I could swallow that. That's smaller than my pills. Oh shit, I haven't taken my psoriasis pills. <laughs> so remember, kids, take your meds. You know, whatever works, I guess. PSA. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon, for reminding Beth to take her meds. I'm I'm just glad that that anecdote didn't end with, and then I was about to try to swallow an earring. <laughs> I know, I like these earrings. Oh, yeah. I don't want to swallow them. There have been enough discussions of swallowing dice between <laughs> in which both me and Beth were involved that I was also worried about that occurring. Competitive brain took it as a challenge. I did not swallow any dice. I just had many dice and was pondering. I know the feeling. Much pondering was had. Just as Kelsier is pondering in the next paragraph. <laughs> Speaking of pondering it this is i think the one time that somebody other than kelsier is late because sazid says we have to go because we're late so we we need to mark this down <laughs> this is this is a big deal but yeah kelsier is uh is sneaking into his own house which he finds kind of funny because he is we've talked about this before the the kind of weird balance that kelsier has to strike between making himself famous and being secretive as a thief uh, and whether or not he's actually hitting the right point on that balance. But it's it's coming back here. This is an entire estate that he does own and has to sneak his way in. And he has to because people know his face now. Um, and apparently uh, they don't remember. that They know his face for unique interactions and not for the past. Because there were house spies all over House Renault. And uh, I guess they forgot. Or they, they didn't tie things together. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's just unusual. Whatever. Yeah, well, this seems like it's definitely going to come to a breaking point sooner or later. So we'll see when that finally happens. He also says he wasn't worried about Renault. The Conjurer's nature was such that he didn't need to fear an Assassin's Blade. In my notes, I just have written in all caps. Tell us about the Kandra, Brandon. There's no time. Yeah, this is uh, this is another time. This is, I think, the third name this drop third of Kandra now. with no explanation. Yep. There's no yep. time. We need to have yep, witty banter. Oh, yeah. It is all witty banter from here to, like, nearly the end of the chapter. Eh, it's not quite as long as that. And luckily, it's not witty banter in Clubs' shop. Otherwise, things would have gone horribly wrong by the end of the scene. That, that's very true. Clubs' shop is the determining factor, as we've learned by now. We will have to keep an eye for the next time they end up there. I'm pretty sure I know when the next time they end up there is. We'll get Interesting. there. Interesting. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they have some some fun banter about Kelsier being a, a bit shabby right now because he's been crawling around through tunnels and 
apparently Mistborn are too proud not to be humble enough to go crawling about in a dignified manner, of course. I love it. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Especially, we Mistborn need not make sense <laughs> as the follow-up. I am almost certain that Vin quotes this line later. Like, it in subsequent books she explicitly says to somebody we misborn need not make sense put it on the sheet justin justin's predictions we got it yes now. i get to make a prediction <laughs> yes my, my predictions compete against my own memory uh so then we get to the uh one of the the discoveries of the day uh which is that uh, marsh in his continuing effort to infiltrate the ministry uh has smuggled out a a quite valuable document uh, which shows a couple of things. Uh, it shows that the ministry has set up uh, what they call soothing stations throughout the city where there are uh, mistings stationed basically all the time uh, to just kind of keep everyone a little bit more docile. And and so that's a significant discovery because that was something that, that this crew had no idea was true. And then they also have... Uh, uh, inquisitor raids and and when they took place so there's a lot of info here didn't didn't we get the initial inf- info about the misting stations uh with the meetup with marsh i think we, oh yes yeah, yeah he did we mention did, it yeah. but now we have we have the map of them right we got we know where they are exactly yes uh which i i also like the 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 little twist that you know they're uh Kelsier's like how did you know how did he manage to get this this info out uh, and Doxon says that apparently, according to Marsh, they just gave the map to him because they wanted his input. So things are going quite well for Marsh, apparently. Yeah. Seems like he's doing a pretty good job, yeah. So one bit of info that is a, a bit of an unfortunate discovery from this map, uh, Vin is looking over the uh, the Inquisitor raids. Uh, and this is something that, that Kelsier and Doxon had noticed and we're maybe hoping that Vin wouldn't have to discover so quickly, uh, which is that Theron's crew has been hit way, way back to the 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 pre-Kelsier involvement times. Uh, Theron was Cayman's partner in the scam who was running the, the canal boat portion of it. So it may be that the Inquisitors are still on Vin's tail, and that's not a good sign. Zia's dead! For those that don't know uh the guy cast as theron um played a guy named zia in a movie i like uh and um now he's dead uh and yes uh it's proof that the inquisitors are still on vin's trail uh one thing that i don't know if i don't know if they this actually was a determining factor or not but um wasn't Marsh's infiltration like based on Theron's plot? Uh, yes, that was also, or at least entry. Was. I think Theron. Yes, Theron's boats were the ones that that transport, um, ministry. I think acolytes. So he he got on one of the boats and then got off at the, like at at a ministry office and and just joined that group of people there. So there, yeah, there's a connection there too that they have to worry about. So there's nothing really they can do about that right now, but it is definitely concerning. Uh, but they they think about what they can do about the the soothing stations, and Kelsier and, and Ham kind of put together a plot where if they can if they can use the remnants of the army, if they can just hire some some muscle off the street, some thieving crews and whatnot, 
they could do a, a coordinated attack against a bunch of these stations all at once, which would be a pretty significant setback given that uh, the ministry would have to have an, a lot of mistings on staff to pull this off and they could take out a, a large number of them if they do it right. There's also a moment in which Doxon points out it won't take the Inquisitors long to retaliate. Kelsier nodded. You're right, Dox. Timing will be vital. Hey, Kelsier, why was that a thought bubble? Why did you why did you say that weird thing in your head and not out loud? That's 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 a timing will be vital is a weird thing to not say yeah. to anyone. Sure would be nice if you could tell your friends what's going on, or maybe us what's going on. Wanna share with the class, Kel? Timing will be vital, just like all those Kandras, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and even a little bit later, I'm gonna uh, add on to that. Uh, when Kelsier is talking about the 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 leadership uh, kind of chain of command there of making sure that uh, Breeze and and Docs were also kind of part of the the army, uh, Kelsier says, "Why do we have to go see the soldiers? Oh, I don't know. Maybe if something happens to Ham, may he rest in peace. Maybe you guys should have met the soldiers beforehand. I don't know." Well, and and Kelsier's response to that is, "Just bear with me. It's for the best." And Breeze says, we seem to do an awful lot of that. And Kelsey yep. just says, anyway. <laughs> yep. So there's not all that many chapters left. Hopefully we figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. I also do love, now that we're like looking at the plan in its entirety, it really, it shouldn't have surprised me, but it does surprise me that out of all of the parts of the plan, somehow Kelsier colon General Mayhem is the step that has the most quantitative <laughs> progress out of all of these. Yeah, the the tensions are high. We'll say that. So we wrap up this this crew meeting. Uh, Kelsier is having a bit of an introspective night. Uh, he's see this this is a uh, this is a different. Well, it's a balcony. It's not quite a rooftop. So we're, we're far enough removed from Clubs's shop rooftop. Uh, but he's the rooftop's been fine so far. It's it's specifically in the yeah. shop that things don't <laughs> okay. go wrong. So he's he's spending some time out in the mist. It maybe might help him think a bit. And uh, Sazed comes to to visit, also to tell him to maybe move because he's visible right now. So that's important. Uh, and and Kelsier asks for another religion, something to for him to think about. And this one. So now we hear about the truths of the Bennett, uh, who the Bennett people lived on the southern islands. Uh, they were seafarers and cartographers. And the the thing that that says, thinks that Kelsier might want to know about uh, is that because there were they were always on ships, uh, the captain of a ship would also serve as a as a minister, and so they were they were very they brought their faith with them kind of wherever they went, and that once they had mapped the whole world, then that might uh, bring a, a peace, which is a, a nice message and. I, I do like hearing about the Bennett. Uh, Kelsier says that this isn't quite what he's looking for right now. Uh, he wants to hear about the Vala, which are one that that Sazed has spoke of him spoke to him about in the past. And uh, one of the things that that Sazed thinks might be why Kelsier's thinking about the Vala is that they lasted uh, for a very long time after the Lord Ruler's rise. Uh, they were very determined, even though they didn't have uh, as Kelsier says, they didn't have leaders. Uh, and Caesar says they, they did have ones. They just had dead ones who they would still worship and and uh, 
use as their their guidance so the the resiliency of it might be what has has struck kelsey here of hearing about people who actually kept fighting into the days of the lord ruler and that's how the evening wraps up good vibes <laughs> onwards to our next epigraph rashik as we we just learned is uh a a very uh, passionate very angry person and uh not all of the terracemen uh hold his his extreme views but the the writer here recognizes that rashik does hold some sway and that even people who might not be as uh as impassioned as he is are are maybe coming to see his ways and that worries him slightly as we continue to read the epigraph now that we know that vin is done with it i'm i'm just i'm drumming my fingers on the desk like are we going to learn something that vin doesn't know did vin learn something that was that she didn't think was important but that we will find important like it seems like the epigraphs are are Brandon showed these for a reason. Yeah. So what's what's the payoff here? Exactly. And there's not much left. And Vin read them all. Right. So so she didn't get it. Right. Or she just didn't think it was important. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or maybe, maybe she missed something. Yeah. I, my prediction is it will mostly be kind of just thematic statements that give us a little bit more insight into the mentality of, of proto-Lord Ruler um and then potentially a little bit inf more information about the prophecy which i could easily see vin just kind of skipping over and not paying much attention to um i don't think the epigraphs themselves are going to give us any like super major reveals um through the end of the book unless there's something related to the prophecy that the audience is meant to pick up on that vin understandably would not really think was important or maybe it's it's something that we still need to learn that is going to recontextualize something either for us or for Vin, either way. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, going into my theories about um, Vin actually being the one to fulfill the prophecy, um, which is, you know, one of the dozens of theories that I've thrown out there, um, could certainly see that, like, we, we get or the last epigraph is something that, like, really points to either Vin or Kelsey or but Vin, just being who she is, didn't really pay much attention to it at the time. And then maybe later on, she will read it again and be like, oh shit, that was important, wasn't it? Yeah, we shall see. It would see. also be really jarring if they just stopped. <laughs> if the epigraphs just stopped there. <laughs> you know, I can see Brandon doing that. Like that, that would be effective. Especially in Stormlight. He does that. Where each, each of the five parts of a Stormlight book have a different kind of cohesive set of epigraphs. So maybe like, yeah, I could see like part four or something. The epigraphs just stop three chapters before the end. And then you get three very conspicuously blank epigraphs. Brandon, I hope you're listening. <laughs> I just want um, an epigraph that says uh, the post credit scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What are you That's still doing here? That's the last text of the book. That's that's the last thing in the entire book. You've read she read the epigraphs and didn't find anything important. <laughs> Go home. Read the chapter. That's where the story is. <laughs> I I do love that idea of like says it looks on the very in the very back cover is like, "Oh, I missed something. This could be super important." And it's just the only thing. It's just like like whoever was writing the the epigraphs was just like 
doodling to get the pen started <laughs> or something. Yeah. There is a part of a Stormlight book where it does not have, quote, epigraphs. It doesn't stop partway through. It just doesn't have anything. And it's very jarring. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So heading into the chapter proper, uh, we are back uh, where this part of the story began. It is another ball at Keep Venture. Uh, and having done quite a few of these now, Vin is is kind of struck all over again. You know, the first time she visited here, it was such an incredible sight. And now that she's been to a lot of these parties at a lot of different keeps, she's still impressed by House Venture. This one is really kind of head and shoulders above the the other keeps. Venture is just that wealthy and that willing to to show it off. But as the the party itself begins, uh, things are rapidly not quite right. Um, both Vin and Sazed uh, realize that that's something. There's a different atmosphere here. So Sazed hurries off to his uh, the servants' dinner to see what he can find out there, and uh, Vin's gonna start doing the rounds and see what she can figure out as fast as she can. Yeah, big red wedding vibes. Uh, there's always it, it's always very exhilarating and terrifying whenever like a character gets into a scene and they know something's up but they have no idea what mm -hmm. and things kind of start to become apparent when vin tries to do her her mingling and her gossiping and is getting just nothing but cold shoulders she, she'll come up to a group try to chat and they they wrap up the conversation they move away and it it just doesn't work at one point they just completely ignore her and it doesn't uh, seem to be going well. Uh, she checks Ellen's little reading spot. He's not there. Where he is, though, is sitting with Straff Venture. Like, he did mention he was going to attend the dinner to his begrudging idea. Uh, but this is a shock to Vin, and she needs to regroup with Sazed. There's just so much concentrated secondhand anxiety I get from page 513 which is where she's trying to join groups and just keeps getting shrugged off. It just, it makes me die inside. She handles it a lot better than I would. <laughs> the one group who literally just ignore yeah. her as she tries to talk uh. to them. So our, our two heroes here regroup. And what Sazed has learned is that this is it. This is the last party uh, for, for perhaps a very, very long time. And so it's time to stop messing around and, and stop trying to get a little edge here and there with the various alliances and just buckle down with who you know and who you can rely on. And it's it's kind of too late for House Renault. They, they haven't really established themselves firmly one way or the other. I mean, they couldn't. They don't really exist. Uh, but... Vin and Vin realizes that they've kind of left themselves out and now it's going to be really hard to get any solid interaction with anyone who's here because there's just not enough to trust Renault with. Yeah, there's kind of a sinking feeling that we will, in a conversation in a couple of pages, uh, feel much more uh, blatantly, um, but kind of a feeling that as good as Vin has been getting at playing the game and becoming a noble um she's still new at this and she still has a lot to learn about this world and she has perhaps not established herself as strongly as she had hoped and she's she's still kind of a a low-tier player in the in the big chess game happening 
Mm-hmm. Fighting an uphill battle, too, I think, since she, she oh, kind of needed to play every side in order to get information from every side. But, yeah. Yeah, not not great. Not great vibes. So Vin and Sazed have a, a quick debrief when they're figuring all that out, and they decide that Sazed needs to go tell Kelsier about this, uh, because he is part of Plan General Mayhem. He's doing the, the fake informant thing again. Uh, and this is a big enough deal that if he doesn't know this fact, it will totally blow his credibility. So Sazed needs to get the message out uh, as quick as he can. So he's actually going to leave and come back. And Vin is going to try to to see what, if anything, she can manage here at the party. And nothing will go wrong when Vin is left alone. Yeah, we have now. It, it was a very small party, but we have just split <laughs> it. So she is going to make another round, see if she can find anyone at all to talk to. She passes Cliss again. Hi, Cliss. We'll see more of you in a second. And and there's Elland. And this doesn't go well. It was It's one more conversation. Things were maybe... The last time they talked, it, it started off poorly, but it, it got better from there, and it ended in a, a, a pretty good place for the two of them. Uh, but this is this is not good. Um, Elland, Elland thinks he's figured something out, and as he often thinks he has yeah hey at least at least he got in vaguely the right ballpark okay (laughs) but uh it's not like they were even formally courting beyond the fact that that elland had offered his his handkerchief the last time uh but they have to break up now and this is a, a really painful conversation for for vin passing dalliance that hurts and then I actually wrote down in handwritten in my notes, which sucks. I hate copying uh, quotes because it takes a long time and I have to look at the book and then at my notes and over and over. Everybody knows this pain, but I did it because Ellen says you're just playing the game like we all are, like I am. Pretty pretty sad stuff, cutting stuff. Mm-hmm. And and as he is, is uh, about to leave... Uh, Vin says, don't you leave me too, which is something that she's been kind of dreading ever since she found people who actually liked her, is is when are they going to leave? And and this is a big one here. And then Ellen says, sorry, kid. Truth is, the game was rigged from the start. <laughs> now, this is a very different crossover. <laughs> <laughs> and then she wanders the wasteland. This betrayal is bad enough for Reen to pop back up again in Vin's brain. We haven't heard from him oh, in a yeah, while. Oh yeah, haven't heard from him in a while. Right away. Mm, good old positive Reen. <laughs> good old Reen. And uh, as we said, we were going to hear from Cliss in a moment. Uh, hey, Cliss. She's here. Uh, and it turns out that she knew a little more than perhaps Vin had realized. Uh, like we said, Vin is is doing, has done very well at this this whole political game, but is still a newcomer, and uh, she missed this one. Cliss is very well informed and has been playing basically everyone. I have I have thoughts on Cliss, but that can wait until the end of the conversation. I think. I freaking love these kind of character reveals where you have your your sort of one dimensional joke character who just suddenly turns around and and has this other side or these hidden depths depths revealed. I love it. This scene is is chilling. And it's not like it's not completely out of nowhere no. either. Like 
at several of these balls, Vin went out of her way to go tell Cliss things because she thought it would be a useful way to spread things around. And it turns out Cliss has just been sitting there getting everyone to, to tell her everything. Which is why I'm glad it didn't go for a total oaf for my casting. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Mae Whitman, you can see, like, quietly scheming. I think my casting of Lady Charlotte from The Princess and the Frog can pull this off, too. As, as is written out in full on the sheet. <laughs> you couldn't just put down Lady Charlotte. You need to know she is animated. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a good enough segue for me to just get into my thoughts now. Um, yeah, I, I, I fucking love this twist. Um, got me completely. And again, I think that really emphasizes that for all of her growth, Vin is still doesn't have quite the grasp on noble life that she thinks because she wasn't able to catch Cliss at all, not being a one-dimensional character. Um, I love that, like, you know, we see a little bit later, Cliss gets, like, zinked and brassed at the same time, and she's still all about the money. <laughs> she just wants more of the bribes. Like, I, we went to Taskmaster last episode. I just love that idea of a character that just wants the money. I'm not expecting it, but I would love for, like, the, for like the whole trilogy, Cliss is still like a quote unquote ally that like they can still get information from, but they keep need to keep paying her. And obviously Vin is really annoyed with her and doesn't like her, but like I, I kind of hope she's a begrudging ally rather than just becoming an enemy. Um I think that would be very fun. Um because uh unironically, uh within the span of about three pages, uh Lady Cliss is one of my favorite characters <laughs> in the entire book. I really like this twist. Um, and she's a contender for favorite character once Hammond dies a horrible, tragic death. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I'm really hoping that we get more of her because I just, I like Beth said, I love that twist of we all bought it hook, line, and sinker. We really thought that she was just the, the, the town gossip. And here she is playing the game way better than anyone gave her credit for. Uh, I love that. And most critically for Vin right now, uh, the thing that that she knows that it takes uh vin just takes off her necklace shoves it at cliss says here you know this is this is your fee tell me what you know that apparently ellen is in a bit of trouble tonight and cliss is is as you said is holding out for an, a m more payment for such a, a valuable piece of information uh vin says that's it the gloves are off uh just goes full emotional Mistborn powers and Cliss is Cliss has learned some valuable information here, even if she's not quite capable of doing anything with it at the moment. But eventually, uh, Vin pries the secret out, uh, which is that House Alarial has sent an assassin team after Ellen Venture tonight, and things are kind of all hell's going to break loose in this house war, uh, right here and right now. By the way, Alamancia's gun again. Um, sure is. Cliss, Cliss <laughs> learns. Just pulls out a gun and points it at Cliss. Basically, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here, here's the thing, right? Um, she, she pays Cliss. She mm -hmm. doesn't just pay Cliss the necklace. She pays Cliss in the knowledge that Valette is a mistborn. Yep. Yep. Um, so Cliss isn't like, oh, you have a gun. I better tell you what I'm saying. It's, oh, you have a gun. Now I can tell everyone you have a gun. Right. Yeah, I'll stash that for later. Yeah. What are you going to do? Shoot me? <laughs> With your emotion bullets? <laughs> 
second time I've been hearing about emotion bullets in the past two days. They just referenced it in Critical Role too. I think clearly we're onto something then. Apparently, people are conspiring me to think about emotion bullets. So, as Vin is is frantically trying to to figure out what to do about this, Cliss extorts another payment. She says, "You pay me by tomorrow, and and then nobody will know." And uh, Vin is trying to to think of a way to to go save Alan. And Cliss uh, asks a very pointed question of, "Didn't he just reject you?" What do you owe him? Uh, and the answer is, I love I him. I love him. And so it is time for uh, time for an action scene, and it's a doozy of an action scene. Yeah, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> starting with, yeah, starting with Vin tearing off down the the hallway, looking for a way outside, seeing the giant stained glass window saying, good enough, and just pushing herself right through it yeah that the imagery of that scene was great i can i i know they established that like you don't hold your arms out when you have to use allomancy but i can picture her like curling up into a ball and then like flaring out all her limbs at once right as the window gives way um i i i just the imagery of that scene and then she shoots out and then stops and then pushes upwards off of the window that's falling over um imagery there was great i need to check the gallery yes i was okay that was the that was the most recent paperback uh i'm going to link this cover into our chat uh one of the paperback covers has about three seconds after this scene happens and it's really cool looking i'm oh, allowed to wow. click on this yes that's right. that is pretty cool spoiler warning welcome to the copper mine oh does it even give you that even when you're linking to an image fun yeah comprehensive that is very cool i really like all of the misborn covers they're they're really sweet because every international edition gets a different cover and so you get to see all the different uh kind of particular styles for each country and there's some very neat ones nice uh this scene also reminded me of whenever like in a video game when the quest starts and a timer just pops up at the start (laughs) of the screen and you're like, oh, 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 oh no. it's, it's a time <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also, we almost get a uh, fight scene in a giant ball gown, uh, but it turns out that that's a little impractical. Uh, and so ball gown's got to go. Uh, keep the coins, keep the metal vials, uh, but everything else gone, which is like, this happens more than once. Vin ends up fighting in basically undergarments, which is a little weird, but... The the dress tear off is is another dramatic moment. Oh, it's a little weird, but it also does specify it's like a white shift and some shorts, which is oh, yeah. specifically non sexy yeah. enough that I can approve of it. <laughs> uh, and then we find uh, very rapidly we find the Alarial Assassin team led by uh, Ding huh? Ding Ding for Sam. I'm gonna cut that because I just said your last Dox name. Dox him. Dox him. <laughs> No, just leave it out. Actually, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sam fucker. (laughs) I'll see. I will do something in the edit, Sam. No worries. Okay. I'm sorry for saying Sam fucker. That sounded way more aggressive than I intended. I was just going with the bleeping idea. You're just jealous of the podcast points. We get it. I also am jealous of the podcast points. I will not deny that. 
Yeah, because here's here's the first big one. It is uh, Shanelarial, Mistborn leader of the Alarial assassin team. Ah. <laughs> I wish your audio is just a solid wall for when you said "ha," and you do <laughs> you did earn it. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to thank the Academy. All right. And that's it. <laughs> Sean is in <laughs> just a, a, a suitably. I think it's the I think it's the Webby Awards that specify your acceptance speech must be six seconds long. <laughs> it is. Just like a vine. Ugh, with vine. That reminds me of um there's a rap song that I really like and it's like it, it's a satirical rap song. Um but uh there's a part of it where the guy goes, Gotta do my shout outs now. Peace too and then it just keeps going. <laughs> nice. Instead of saying peace to blank, 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 it's just peace to, but nope. On we go. It's either six seconds or five words. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, correction. It was the Shorty Awards. Oh, that would explain why it has to be short. And I believe it is five words um, because I remember one of them was uh, the Gregory For Brothers. For the news, I was going to start this anecdote, Justin. <laughs> Go ahead, Beth. No, it's not much of an anecdote, just that there was a group that auto-tuned the news, and they are fantastic, and I still have most of one of them memorized. It's just locked in the recesses of my brain, and they're... Is it the one about smoking lettuce? It sure is. (laughs) Um, Uh Their acceptance speech is something along the lines of, Everything sounds better, auto-tuned. And that's it. Yep. Uh, the one that I was just looking up to uh, confirm that it was true uh, was when Bill Wirtz won the shorty for best in weird uh, and his acceptance speech was thank you. <laughs> what a legend. Fair enough. He didn't, he doesn't even square up to the the podium. He just, he walks up, takes the, the trophy, kind of bends the mic over to him, says thank you and walks away. Incredible. Where the hell were we? <laughs> right. Sam thanked the Academy. Ellen's getting assassinated. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Ellen is currently getting murdered as we speak. Sean is wearing her mist cloak almost stylishly, which I like. Oh, yeah. No, she she is that important that she has to look pretty when she's going to kill someone. <laughs> she's that much of a middle school bully. I mean... It's like how your middle school bullies always look good during gym class. Girl always looks good even during an assassination. <laughs> I'm of the opinion that murderers should look cool when they're murdering. I don't know if that's a hot take. I'm on board with this. We're going to keep that clip for later. (laughs) For potential nefarious use. Caleb, in favor of good-looking murderers. Look, I just finished uh, the first season of Only Murders in the Building, and without giving anything else away, all I can say is the murderer had a pretty good outfit on. All right. So the the battle at hand here is uh, by herself fairly newly trained Mistborn Vin uh, against uh, two full Mistborn, likely two coin shots, uh, a couple of thugs. This this is going to be a problem. As the, the first thought Vin has upon taking the scene in is, two Mistborn, not good. Not good. <laughs> but she also has the element of not just surprise, but like shock. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. What the hell is anyone doing interfering with this? And especially her. I mean, Shan, you know, spends the first like twelve seconds of this fight going, "You, you, <laughs> right." 
like while Vin is punching her dudes. Right. Which is saying something because 12 seconds is two full rounds of combat. Yeah, eventually Shan gets to kill her. Yeah, I don't want to blow by blow through this whole thing, although we can definitely stop at some cool moments. Uh, we do have another man stumbling maladroitly, so <laughs> yeah, good on that. Yeah, very maladroit of him. Yeah, we have more Shan not knowing what to do besides be angry and confused. We see Vin's practical side kicking in again. Uh, she she manages to shove a dude through a skylight and thinks, take the warning, Ellen, and escape. It's time for me to go. And she tries to run, which doesn't really work. But you know Kelsier would never. <laughs> he would fight this thing to the end. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Ellen will take the hint and will and understand exactly what's going on. Sam, do you want to give us a, a preview of your notes on uh, this particular section? Oh, God. Uh, well, I called Ellen to Bellend again. Here's my preview. But I will talk more about it, I'm sure. I feel okay. like it'll be narratively better if we... Okay. Yeah. Fair. I, I, I have similar notes, but yeah, we can we can compare. I also, we see Vin learning... Maybe a little too much from Kelsier when it specifically specifies that she is smiling evilly at the stunned Shan. Good for her. Yeah. Kelsier is uh, not the best influence, shall we say? We we can and we in fact should. (laughs) Yes. Uh, In the middle of this this chaos, Vin also realizes that uh, there's now dead Alarial bodies all over House Venture. Uh, So... The uh, as she says as and so the house war starts. Didn't think I'd be the one to begin it. <laughs> Oops. So yeah, we are we're full steam ahead from here. Hammer and tongs, and eventually we get down to uh, at least pretty much a a one on one duel between Vin and Mistborn Chandelarial, who, although we've seen her in a in a much different context. Uh, she's very good at this, and Vin very quickly realizes that uh, she's outmatched by by Shan. Shan is more experienced with her Mistborn powers. She's a better knife fighter, uh, and things are not going to go well uh, very quickly if something doesn't change. Vin decides that uh, this is probably a, a good time to use that little bit of, of ATM, uh, which she does by uh, elementically manipulating the the vial and then getting the the beat of atm which is also just cool probably wouldn't have lost her too much time but i understand it's in the middle of a duel i just love that like we go into detail about how she's specifically trying to save as much time as possible by doing this in the coolest way possible as well right and and visually this probably takes like a couple of seconds and she doesn't have to use her hands which is important but it does take a couple of lines to explain right how badass though no yeah it's it it would look awesome so badass and then shan replies by pulling out a vial and drinking it down it's like uh, you can't one-up her on that shan come on put some back into it (laughs) who's the stylish one now i'm glad we established that this is this is the reason to dislike channel ariel yeah so stylish she's not stylish enough damn it if you're gonna be stylish you better go all out (laughs) unfortunately for vin though uh, Shan does have the monetary backing of a significant noble house, and so naturally has more ATM available. So uh, this is still not going to go well, because the way that these ATM fights work is 
neither of them can really do anything until one of them runs out of ATM, and that's going to be Vin. Uh, she also has to dodge some arrows because now they've attracted a bunch of attention and now there's just people firing arrows at this whole mess. So we get like Matrix bullet trails, but with arrows now. So that's pretty cool. So cool. It specifically like describes how a, an arrow shot through her chest and then she actually dodges out of the way of the real arrow, which is just a really cool, slightly unsettling, but very cool way to oh, describe yeah. like experiencing Adium and, and how you can see certain things coming ahead of time. And then we get the the last moment of this fight as Vin lets her ATM drop. Shan assumes that, that Vin has run out, goes in for the killing blow, uh, and at the last second, Vin uses the very last bit of her ATM. Uh, there's a, a brief moment of confusion as as all of the ATM shadows go crazy again. Uh, and Vin grabs one of the arrows that is fired at the two of them out of midair and stabs Chandelarial in the chest with it. And it's awesome. So awesome. Very cool. And then she goes and stabs Shan again because Pewter means that she's it's not dead. For good measure, yeah. Got to do the double tap. Um, there, I, have, I have two nerdy references to make with this. Um, one, I don't think it ever happens in any of the movies or shows, but it might happen in the comics at some point. Um, but the lightsaber technique of when you're in a saber lock of turning off your lightsaber lightsaber off for a split second and then turning it back on very useful. And it has a name because all of those techniques have a name and I do not know what it is. Yeah. And it's, it's known to be, you know, not very honorable, but it can get the job done. (laughs) Um, and then also it's been zero days since Caleb last mentioned taskmaster. Um, Taskmaster and Deadpool have a rivalry in Marvel Comics, and the reason why is Taskmaster can basically read any opponent by watching their moves and figuring out their strategy. Except Deadpool just fucking has no idea what he's doing, so there's nothing to read. There are no patterns to to memorize. Um, And as a result, Taskmaster is just terrible at fighting Deadpool. So I love that Vin just kind of takes that approach of, like, even before this moment, when it seems like he's about to run away, she doesn't, and that kind of on its own already takes Shan by surprise because Shan was just like, yeah, I'll go after her. Oh wait, she's, she, she's still fighting. Okay. Um, and then mixes that up further by the Hadium switch. Um, it's just very cool. Yeah. There's something particularly delicious about, you know, Shan has been the epitome of nobility this whole time. And that vibe carries over to her mistborn ing. I, I can picture her getting like, trained by other Mistborn family members if they have it and like following all the the noble rules and rights of Mistbornery and then this this street brawler Vin shows up and just stabs her in the chest it's so satisfying and now to bring up uh into the woods again her cape's as red as blood <laughs> hey I, we got I one am of the things shocked and impressed <laughs> <laughs> Bam. I'm guessing she wore a slipper as pure as gold at some point. She's probably worn as an accessory every single ingredient from the Into the Woods recipe. Including the cow? I don't think the cow. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> Alright, let's put that on the prediction list, that it, it, might, it might happen at some point. Probably won't happen, but would be interesting if... No, I just want fan art of Vin deadlifting a cow. <laughs> interesting is one word for it. I'm I'm going to look something up and I might have to put it in the spoiler chat. 
for later. Okay. In the meantime, I do have a couple of other thoughts to wrap up the chapter. Um, one, that one poor guard who gets, like, thrown off of the uh, wall, um, and then Vin just, he's, he's holding on for dear life, and then Vin just kicks him off, and you watch as he goes flying into the mist, and then, <laughs> and then they just fall to the floor. Not great. Not, not, not great for that little guy. I feel bad for that one guy. Um, and then also, I got my notes written out of order somehow, so I missed the moment it came up. But we get a very casual um, uh, power ranking on page 525. She couldn't face two Mistborn at once. She couldn't even beat Kelsier most nights. Which means that, like, on a somewhat regular basis, she is beating Kelsier. Which, you know, we've seen Kelsier train. He doesn't hold back. So the fact that she can beat Kelsier on some nights is uh, really saying something about how good she is at fighting for herself. Yeah, sure is. All right. And then immediately on the back of that chapter, uh, I'm going to skip the epigraph for a moment uh, to point out the extreme mood yeah. whiplash <laughs> of hard cutting from this fight to the rest of the gang make fun of these. Yeah. <laughs> ah, let's just relax in clubs yeah. shop. Oh my god. Nothing will go wrong. Let's unskip the epigraph and then we can yes. yell about this for a bit. Because I think Caleb and I both have jokes to tell. Caleb's already told his. But but yeah, we, we will resume the, uh, the epigraph uh, where, like we were just uh, mentioning previously the the author here is is wondering about uh about being remembered and they they're realistic enough to know that they will be remembered this is the world is going to change here one way or the other uh and they're just wondering what kind of legacy they will leave and uh well we can see at least what what the world has become so we kind of know the answer to that and he also has enough self-awareness to know that one of the possibilities is a tyrant who arrogantly tried to make himself a legend. Um, which is just, you know, if he hasn't been, if the moment of corruption still hasn't quite happened yet, it's interesting that he is suggesting that as a possible thing that may happen. Yeah, very true. Yeah, and then we cut to making fun of Reeds. <laughs> I wrote in my notes, crew is joking in club's shop, and then under that, in all caps, stop joking in club's shop. <laughs> I do have, in all caps, stop hanging out in clubs' shop and having fun. <laughs> no fun zone. I, I really appreciate the, the one wavelength here that we're on. Hell yeah. High five, Caleb. Yeah, high five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will have to synchronize those. I threw one in there for good measure. The rest of the podcast is out of sync in order to have that one moment. So true. Uh, I... I I also like that Breeze is Breeze is not having a good time here. He he's uh, at at one of the comments uh, when when Spook just falls over laughing. Uh, Breeze is like, "Come on, Spook was the only one laughing at that. Like, get better." <laughs> also, you are by far the best butt we have," says Ham. I know he has a wife and family, but fellas, fellas is it Ham good? canonically thinks Breeze has a great ass. <laughs> It's canon. It's in the Textual book. Textual support, finally. Not finally. It's been there the whole time. Continue. S still to this point, I still picture Breeze as Andy Serkis, and it's just every time he's on there, I just I picture Andy Serkis. Like, he's the strongest of all the castings I've done so far. 
is to me breeze is andy circus that's interesting because i am billy porter is one of my favorite of the castings i've done uh so it's interesting that we both feel so strongly about our breeze casting because yeah. breeze makes an impression man he does you got to pick the right yeah. one and i think we both brought different vibes to the table, but I do think I could see both, uh, both, both taking the role in different directions, but still doing good with it. Today's a day of handshaking between me and Caleb. Friendship ignited with Sam. Now we are no longer enemies. Is that the, yes? That's, that's how the meme goes now. <laughs> exactly. Join forces. I, this this shift in alliances is making me nervous. What are the implications for the rest of the hosts? <laughs> Yeah. It was all about Ellen. Once I got Sam on board, everything This is changed. why I'm nervous. Yep. <laughs> and then we have... I, I, I love the the timing of this exchange of Sazed saying, I should go. Vin will probably be ready. Uh, and then Vin just kicks in the door covered in blood uh, in in her short, her shorts and her shirt She's carrying the dress. It got in the way. Uh, and then, I think I did something bad. I kind of killed Shanelariel. <laughs> did she go back for the dress? Yes. Girl. I, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember... I, I need to check the annotations. I am pretty sure Brandon has said that Vin uh, specifically thought that if the dress was discovered, it would implicate Vin. So she went back and yeah. got it. Yeah, that does that does that make sense, sense to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That being said, it does absolutely say at the end of the chapter that she pushed herself out into the night at the very end of the chapter without mentioning the dress. But eh, we'll <laughs> let it slide. So they are the, the crew is trying to figure out what the hell to do now. Sazed is doing some doctoring because Vin is pretty cut up. Kelsier is baffled at the the fact that Vin actually managed to defeat Shan. And I find that really funny because he's not, his shock is, maybe he's shocked that she killed Chan in general, but his shock is more that Vin won. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's her fighting capability that he's surprised about. The The fact that she was willing to kill a noble, he has no problem with. Right. Right. It's, oh, Chandelier's dead and therefore the entire city is just going to explode in conflict. Great. Vin won that fight. How the hell did that happen? So Vin has to kind of explain what the hell happened. That uh, there was a fight outside Keep Venture. Uh, Docs is concerned that Vin was probably spotted during this fight. Uh, and, and Vin says, I was kind of focused on staying alive, which, fair. And Kelsier has a, a another bit of moment of, of contemplation of, I kind of almost got Vin killed again because of the the danger that we've brought upon so that's an, another thing that he's got to deal with i thought it was interesting um i made a note of it uh when when says is is fixing up uh vin's arm wound specifically um i can picture because um everybody their first instinct when they see something like swinging at them is to try and block it Right. But with a knife, the way to win a knife fight is to not get hit with a knife. Right. In general. Um, but, you know, even uh, even if you haven't been in, in a knife fight, as I'd say 94% of people have not been, uh, and I, I can count myself luckily among one of those. <laughs> I was going but, to uh, ask you to clarify that. The way you had phrased everything prior really made it sound like you had. 
But you you get the same uh, feeling when like when you, you're cooking or something and a knife falls off the counter and your mm-hmm. first instinct is to reach out and grab it, you know? Justin and I got that instinct drilled out of us by our father. Best time mm-hmm. to fa- catch a falling knife is when it hits the ground. But it's still an instinct. Well, yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I drilled that out of myself on account of I don't like the idea of a moving <laughs> knife. So I back away from that bad boy. Funnily enough, that's also how you catch a knuckleball. According to actual knuckleball catchers, <laughs> is you pick it up off the ground. Um, it, but it reminded me of a, uh, a, a, a saying about knife fights. Uh, when two people get into a knife fight, one dies on the scene and the other dies in the ambulance. That is, I was going to bring that up because that is also what I've heard. And it is almost assuredly the... Th- entirely thanks to pewter that this is not true for vin as well she is yeah. pretty like says it says that the cut in her arm is is to the bone she is pretty messed up here that does remind me of another famous phrase um which is uh never bring a knife to a alamancy fight <laughs> the metaphor is perfect and yet they always do <laughs> yeah and i've got a lot of knives actually so the the other bit of info has to come out of how did this fight start and the answer is because Vin went to go save Ellen Venture. Uh, and so that kicks a whole nother hornet's nest where uh, Kelsier is just absolutely taken aback at this. Why, why would you ever risk your life for Ellen Venture? Uh, which I think he might have some support from some members of this podcast. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I, I know what's yeah. going on. But... <laughs> We, we go from that into one of my favorite scenes of this section uh, where this this boils over between Kelsier and Vin. This is something that's been kind of building for some time uh, of Kelsier's just universal hatred of the nobility and uh, the fact that from Vin's perspective, none of them have seen the life that she has of the 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 life on the streets of everything before the beginning of this book and from her perspective sitting around in this shop chatting and and eating and having fun is a pretty nice looking life and maybe they should think about that and and know what the actual range of people in this world is and then she just has to leave because she's said all that she can and Kelsier has nothing to say either. And I, this is just, I really, like, it's tough to find um, young actors who are, are capable of a, you know, a, a hardcore dramatic scene. But I really want to see, like, whoever in, in the, the Mistborn adaptation that at this point is really, like, seeming like it's almost certainly going to happen. I want to see whoever does this scene as Vin really nail this because I think it would be very powerful. Caleb, who is your casting that I agree with? Uh, Daphne Keene, who was uh, yeah. famous for her role in Logan. Yeah, I could see Daphne Keene pulling this off. She has a she has a scene in which she yells very angrily at Logan and similar vibes. Yeah, I I would love to see it. I fully understand where Vin is coming from here. It's a very relatable um, like place to be, given everything that she just went through and everything she went through before the book occurred. Um, I know Kelsier was a thief before Hathson, but he did also, like, go to Hathson. So, like, there's 
I, I, I know why Vin is, is feeling this way in this moment, but there's always the thing of, like, Kelsier definitely does know pain and suffering. Um, and I think we, we, it's not like a, it doesn't turn into a, hey, you are wrong to say all that in the next scene. But we do get a little bit of uh, kind of, hey, I, I, I do kind of get it, um, which I appreciate because she has some good points and she has some points that maybe simplify things in terms of what some of the other characters have been through. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those juicy scenes where you can understand where everyone is coming from and no one's really 100% right and you just kind of have to deal with it. Um, I mean, like you said, I, I think I think those kinds of dramatic scenes are really fun. Um, not fun, but you know, they're good. They're good. They're it's a good. It's, it's a well-written scene. It's good. They're powerful. Yes, they're powerful. Yeah, and I wrote in my notes. Um, where is it? Yeah. Uh, so Vin says the crew consists of noblemen. Uh, none know the life of the ska. And then I wrote under that, except Docs, whose wife was murdered. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> Was a plantation ska and and the whole like because he was a ska still and he had the same shitty ska experience, just not like city life. I don't know. And I I think a little bit later as as Kelsier and Vin have a a bit of a they have a chance to actually have a talk. Vin acknowledges at some point that not all of what we what she said was probably exactly deserved. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I also think there's a gender element here that. I don't want to ignore. There's a specific yeah. line oh, yeah, that, that Vin has. Um, When's the last time you had to lay awake at night, terrified that one of the men in your crew would try to rape you? And then goes on to bring up Reen beating her again, which which harkens back to any number of lines about how much more difficult it is to be a woman in the thieving crews and how that was right. Reen's solution to that particular problem in part. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, y'all, I, it is, it's just juicy. I'm, I'm, I am sitting here. I was listening to what y'all were saying. It was like, oh, but, but hang on. And now I'm saying it aloud and I'm thinking to myself, oh, but hang on. Cause everyone is right and everyone is wrong. Brandon's good at writing. Yeah. It's, yeah. I will, I will agree with that. <laughs> Scalding take. <laughs> For this podcast specifically founded around reading Brandon Sanderson's Indeed. books. And then we get a another good long talk between Vin and Kelsier. It's been a bit since they've had a chance to um, to kind of talk about the, these kinds of things. To brood on rooftops together. Yeah. Of course. Kelsier as dad. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I will say, when I, I love where the scene goes, but when he first opens the trapdoor as Kelsier, my thought was like, could it be anyone else? I really wish it was Sezed, really. Um and I mean, it can't be Ham because there's talk of "Will you abandon me?" and Ham is about to die, of course. So um, it couldn't be him. But um, yeah, my my first thought was very similar to Vin of like, oh, I really don't want to have a chat with this guy right now. But then it ends up being a very very nice scene, and I I was I was wrong to be anxious. I would say that you know I'm not a parent myself, and my siblings are not do not have children that are old enough to quite be here, but. Um, I, I really think that every father has had or will have a moment like this where your your son or daughter has just blown up in, in a very difficult way mm -hmm. um, and has re retreated to their room or in this case the rooftop and then you have to cautiously open the door or the trap door and go, 
hey yeah <laughs> so that was something huh yeah Th- that element of that was not a good thing that you did you know unloading all of that at once at us in such a fashion but also maybe you were a little bit right yeah um but also i mean she's a 17 year old girl and 17 year olds of any gender um kind of act like this (laughs) yeah at some point they they have a flip out like this obviously vin has a lot more standing to do so because of her life so far but it is age appropriate age matching Mm -hmm. and so we get we get a couple of things in this conversation this goes several different places all of which are are pretty significant in one way or another first we have the the emotions of what just happened uh with Kelsier and Vin now kind of commiserating over loving someone despite a betrayal. Ellen, it's it's not quite the same from what we've seen of the the betrayal that happened, but they they do know they both know loving someone despite what happened. So they have that moment there. Um, we also hear a little bit more about um, Vin's remembrance of of Reen, of despite everything that happened that vin still does feel something for him and whether that's because they had a, a bond as siblings or if that's just some remnant of of the abuse that he laid on her that's that's another thing that that is is kind of hard to say and then vin is is listing the people in her life who have have left her her mother who she barely remembers reen who left ellen just left and then Vin's question is, is when will you leave me, Kelsier? Which he doesn't have a good answer for right now. Followed by Vin saying, what are you hiding from me, Kelsier? Something that dangerous? And then Kelsier decides, fine then, I'll keep my secrets and moves on. And makes a quip. So shortly after that, Vin gets to, in some ways, get back at, at Ellen and at House Venture. Uh, because she tells Kelsier... Uh, about the fact that uh, the ventures run the pits, which is particularly impactful for for Kelsier, and and she tries to to say, don't do anything unless you have to. But that's a, a difficult promise to make, and so they they have to kind of let that drop as well. And then we get uh, another possible prediction discussion that that comes up again. Uh, we get another revisit of how did the Lord Ruler discover them when they attacked Kreedic Shaw. Because Vin is convinced now as well that the Lord Ruler can see through copper clouds. Because that was a thing that that we skimmed over during the, the fight, and I probably should have brought that up, uh, was, of course, there were two Mistborn there. There, were def- there was definitely copper involved. Uh, but Vin really strained her bronze to the limit and found out where they were. So that kind of throws things all off balance as to what happened that that past night at Kreedic Shaw. It also, far more importantly, um, confirms our ranking of the medals of having copper at the bottom because sometimes it just doesn't do the one thing it's supposed to do. Still think potatoes are neat? <laughs> I don't. I don't buy the potato analogy. We've covered this. <laughs> and yes, I do think potatoes are neat. Still, of course I do. This is this is interesting though because. Kelsier doesn't believe it at first, and and Vin has to demonstrate. She she manages to do it again. 
so it wasn't just a fluke or something she was imagining. Kelsier tries burning a metal and she figures out what it is despite his copper. And and Vin is, you know, is quite excited about this. And Kelsier is it says, hang on, we Mistborn, like Alamancy is is old, and people have people have tried this. This is this isn't like you figured out a neat trick. This is you're breaking some like fundamental law of science yeah. here. Also, before we skip over it too much, she doesn't just prove to Kelsier that she can do this. She also hears drums, drums in the deep for a, for a hot yeah. sec. <laughs> and then just decides that's probably not important. I'll just focus on Kelsier for now. She, she, she just, she has to focus real hard on him. There's no time for anything else. <laughs> pewter, you're burning pewter. <laughs> I don't know. I was too focused on the fact that I, it's not confirmed yet. But I at least half nailed the mayor gave them up because uh, because she was an alamancer. Yeah, yeah. It seems quite possible at this point that that is the answer. Of there's something there's something more about bronze and copper, uh, and that the Lord Ruler could do, or or somebody involved could do what Vin did here, uh, and Mare quote betrayed them because she was burning a metal and got detected. I, I do, I think Vin is probably right in this theory, but it does make me, like, in my head, as Kelsier has described the scene, I've always just pictured, like, it's, you know, there's a bunch of guards who have captured them, and it's Kelsier and it's Mare, and Lord Ruler turns to Mare and says, thank you for betraying them, and in my head, Mare has just this kind of dejected look that's hard to read, it, it just in my, that's the image I have in my head, but if this is what really happened, wouldn't Mare be like, what the fuck are you talking about what do you mean betrayed i didn't do that and i don't know the idea that kelsier like looked into the lord ruler's honest <laughs> eyes and decided that he was telling the truth and mare wasn't it, i don't know it just feels it's just kind of weird vibes in terms of how that must have gone down i will give them some benefit of the doubt in that it was a, a somewhat stressful situation i'll just... say but yeah, there, I suppose there's suppose it might have been a little bit stressful. And then we have as as this discussion wraps up, and uh, Kelsier gets a, a a a brief congrats to Vin for general mayhem, uh, as he points out that having Shan dead at House Venture is definitely going to be a a a big torch on the fire of the House War. So good on her for that. Uh, but then we wrap up that scene. Uh, and like we mentioned last episode, we get another Elland POV. Mm. Uh, Sam, you want to go first? or? <laughs> yeah, uh, we get to learn that, that Elland is an Alamancer, and he knows how to burn the 11th metal, and the 11th metal is copium, <laughs> and he's flaring it. That was one of my favorite comments that you've made in, in our chat. Copium is the 11th metal, and Elland is flaring it. Because <laughs> holy Absolutely. shit, this whole chapter, this whole section. Unfortunately, uh, uh, one of them had tripped. Falling through Ellen's skylight. I have in my notes, in all caps, eight straight pages of Ellen being the densest motherfucker in the Cosmere. Oh my god. We don't know that yet. We've only gotten one we glimpse of it. We still doubt our feelings about Ellen. It seems like y'all two are stupid, derogatory, and Justin and I just sitting over here like, stupid, affectionate. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. I will admit, the stupider he gets, and the more, this is the important thing, the more the story directly acknowledges how stupid he is, 
the more I like him. He has grown on me since his initial appearance, in which he appeared to be a fuckboy who thinks that he knows everything. And he still is a fuckboy who thinks that he knows everything. But the story is growing more aware of the fact that he really has no idea what he's doing. He's just wrong. I um I, I wrote in my notes that he's the anti in this uh, section. <laughs> because yeah, he absolutely is! He knows way less than we thought. Yeah, exactly. Like, Cliss, you you think, oh, she's just this one-dimensional, paper-thin character, and then it turns out that she's got this deeper side to her. And then Ellen, you think, oh, he's this deep guy. He's got, you know, all this stuff going. No, he's just a... He's just a... Just a fuckboy. It turns out those honest eyes are just because there was zero thoughts in that head behind the (laughs) eyes. Head completely empty. Nothing. Although I do think, and we'll talk about it as we go through these eight pages, but I do think that um, Ellen is just trying to ignore more than, like, uh, I think he's pretending. I don't think, mm. like, he's actually this stupid. In his thought bubbles, he's pretending? Uh, well, um, you know, there's there's been studies about this. Uh, when people <laughs> When people are confronted with something that is opposite of their opinion like if they're presented with facts and and truth and studies and like real hard things that run counter to what they think they tend to ignore them that's true and that might be kind of what we're dealing with here he's doubling down because he doesn't want to be wrong and ellen is also um he's he he has a position of power uh and he is uh he's studious you know intelligent is a broad word but he he does know a lot of facts so he thinks that he has a a very easy position to sit from and so it's it's easy for things that upset that to just kind of be brushed aside i think he really made whiz his dump stat huh hi yeah high int low whiz but even the int isn't quite as high as you expect so ellen does get to learn some things here uh because in, so th- the scene that we are in, this is Ellen and uh, Jasty's in uh, a in a carriage. They've just been kind of riding through Luthadel to stay away from Keep Venture, uh, which is actually a, a decent place for them to be, not there. Uh, and then they are joined by Felt. Hey, Beth, it's, it's Felt. Felt. What, what, what are you up to? Just giving so, some reports. Yeah, I'm going to brief this is this is a a non peek behind the curtain uh you know how we mentioned that um hoyd is like way more important than he looks and is probably meddling felt is the same way except he's not actually more important than he looks he's just some guy (laughs) and yet somehow just shows up places that you wouldn't expect (laughs) him to but here he is for the first time just being some guy Mm. I will cast him later then. Yeah, I definitely, definitely have a casting prepared right this second, but but we oh we can't get to it right now because it's a casting time. section. On an oh. unrelated note, Caleb has to go for forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I gotta yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll flip be through back. encyclopedias. <laughs> so the thing that, that Felt learned, because when we last saw Ellen, he was he was borrowing some of the, the venture uh, spy crews. Uh, and so Felt is the leader of one of those crews and has come to deliver a report. Uh, and Felt actually managed to discover some info on Vin. Uh, he followed the carriage as it was as it was leaving. Uh, 
and he saw that it went to hey look clubs shop and there are some some decent precautions up he wasn't able to see anyone in the shop or anything like that uh, but the existence of those precautions of the fact that the the shop is very sealed up um very it's it's soundproofed it's got like hidden lookouts um felt knows what's up in the city he knows that this is probably the hideout of a thieving crew and that volette renault is probably a ska thief so someone did manage to figure it out right as we're getting to the end of the book um vin's secret has been discovered first of all great job says way to get followed <laughs> wonderful yeah and then uh i wrote will elland connect the obvious dots justin continue uh the the what with your next line of yes. Ellen does not connect the dots. <laughs> yes. It's the always sunny thing where the title pops up. Ellen does not connect the dots. Da, 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 da. I also like uh, Ellen's line. She wasn't trying to spy on me. She was just trying to rob me. Like that's any better. Well, it, it follows of Ellen just not caring at all. Uh, and, and Jassy's pointing out that if your dad isn't literally the second wealthiest person in the world, then maybe being robbed does matter. So, but yeah, he, he continues to not get it because somehow this revelation actually makes Ellen like Valette more because it wasn't a political game. It was an entirely different game. And, and I guess that's better. Yeah. If, if Ellen's friends are the friends of the ABC, this is, peak marius behavior right here oh yeah of everyone else singing oh, about yeah. revolution he's just like there's this girl she's tied i would like to hang out with her i'm also thinking about it now and ironically considering the fact that keep venture or the venture family is the one that's getting all the adium in an indirect way vin is doing all this to rob things that were once belonging yeah. to keep venture <laughs> Yeah, there is that interesting duality of Kelsier's noble cause to overthrow the Empire, but they also are thieves and are trying to steal a thing. Uh, then Ellen has another kind of moment of revelation as he realizes that, wait a second, that means that Follette was a ska. And so he has to kind of recontextualize a whole bunch of conversations that they had, which amuses me. And then also during this conversation, Jastis is, is trying to desperately trying to explain things to to Ellen, who is not listening at all. We're in the middle of a house war. I was so hard on her this and, and he's like oh, Yeah, I was yeah. I was just trying to get her to leave. And he says, uh what if they decide to kill us rather than just spy on us? What indeed? Hmm Yeah. Shortly after they actually arrive back at Keep Venture uh, and it's time for Ellen to actually deal with uh, Straff again. Well, Lord Venture demanded. Well, what? Where have you been? Oh, I left. This reminds me of... Um, there's a, a Red Letter Media Best of the Worst episode about um, a movie called Easy Kill. And in it, uh, Frank Stallone is, um, is this bartender. And a lady's leaving the bar... And he, being a very concerned man, says, Hey, hey, lady, where are you going? And uh, Mike Staclasa, one of the guys on the panel, is like, Lady, y you left. And I just picture Ellen saying it in that voice, like, Oh, I left. I left. 
Like, yep. Like, what? I left. It's immensely satisfying. To what end? Where? Why? It's immensely satisfying to see Ellen weaponize his shitburnity against his father. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this one I, I, I hope that we're all in favor of. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this was great. I love this. Yeah. I like I like Ellen fucking with Straff just in any mm-hmm. any capacity. Something that we skipped over during um, Vin's confrontation with Cliss right before the fight. Uh, turns out Straff Venture paid for that assassination. Yeah, there's a lot of like galaxy brain thinking happening in that they are killing Ellen in order to destabilize Keep Venture. And Straff, I guess, is just like, yeah, I can take that hit. I'll let that happen. I will. Yeah. I will. Or I will allow for that to be orchestrated. Get Ellen out of the way. Now I have an excuse to go squash Alariel. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's obviously it's incredibly scummy, but it's kind of fascinating that he knows this is meant to be a major blow against him. Mm-hmm. But because it also helps his own personal goals, he's okay with it. Yeah. The the political games of this particular court are very tangled and convoluted and complicated and in the brief glimpses we've seen of him you can kind of tell how Straff got and stayed on top. Right. Yeah, I kind of, I hate him but he's that specific brand of scummy that I'm like, I kind of enjoy watching (laughs) him though. He's... He's he he's he has the same vibes as a uh, Roose Bolton from Game of Thrones. Of also also a very uh, um, grumpy father character um, and very evil father character. Um, but I just I love watching him work. And he's so <laughs> scummy, but I, I, he's just I, I I can't help it. And during this conversation, uh, there is there's even more politics at play. Turns out that uh, the the man who did end up going through the skylight. Uh, Straff says that he's dead. Uh, one thing that Ellen did manage to notice is that guy definitely wasn't dead when I left. So he, he Ellen sees the clues. He just doesn't put them together. Which once more reminds me too much of myself, which is perhaps where some of this loathing comes from <laughs> in that I have often talked about how particular like this, this, this thing started with attack on titan but i often talk about how i'm really good at finding all the dots and i will even point out the dots that the connector people have forgotten about but i'm no good at connecting them so one thing that ellen finally does realize though is that uh the position that he's in it is impossible for him to ignore house politics they have just been going on all around him and he's been losing by ignoring them uh when he learns that it was, in fact, Chandelarial up there. Uh, and, and he realizes that it probably the entire plan of her engagement was to uh, secure a venture Alarial heir and then just have Ellen killed. Uh, and then there's there's a bit of, of kind of back and forth on maybe there was someone else up there fighting against the Alarials, but nobody really knows what happened there. So they they can't actually get any info from that. And Ellen goes, yeah, you're right. I can't get any info from that. Not the right info anyways. Uh, And then he heads off to bed uh, thinking about how much he loves Valette. And that is the end of our section. And oh boy, is there a lot that's just shoved into motion now. And we're going to see where this all goes from here. I can't wait. Yep. 
the the roller coaster has crested the summit and it's starting to chug a chug a chug down so yeah no it is it is all escalation from here yeah right we're at the moment where we're in the back of the roller coaster and the front has started to go <laughs> down i feel like yeah we're sort of there we know we're seconds away from the from the from the sander lanch um and you can feel it sure you are know? so there's not a lot left of the book but uh we do have uh do we have anyone to add to the cast list? I think the only really yeah, major new for Felt, of course. <laughs> I yeah. was going to say Felt. If you happened to uh, to actually pick one up there, yep, yeah, I, I absolutely have. I have two actually. Well, then maybe Sam can borrow one. Yeah. Um, my main question is: if you are allowed to tell me, do we picture Felt as being older or younger? Um. Older than your average soldier, I think. Yeah, I picked him in like... Like, he's not like clubs... He's not like clubs old, but he's probably like... 50s? Like 40? I was going to say 40s. That's right in the middle so that neither of these really work, but um, I, I'll still give you what I got. All right. If if we were going younger, I would say... What we know is that... Okay, for one thing, it mentions that... Okay, 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 okay. For one thing, it mentions that... His, uh, I don't have the page up, but he is keen and lithe for his kind. And we have no idea what his kind means. We don't really get any more information on that. I think just um, for a spy. I think that's all that that Is that means. just what it is? All spies are lithe? Um, certainly could be, based on the information we get, could be the interpretation. Um, but uh, I will admit, I did not expect him to be important again. Um, but I got kind of weird vibes from Felt for some reason, and so it's actually not the biggest surprise to me that he is more important than he seems, or a bigger uh, has a bigger role than he seems. Um, so, regardless, um, my younger casting was Alfie Allen, um, who, speaking of Game of Thrones, plays... Um, I don't actually remember the character's real name, but he definitely goes by the name Reek for the middle seasons. Um, one of our fans is currently screaming into oblivion right now that I can't remember the character's name. He um, plays Theon Greyjoy. That's, yeah, def, yep, yep, Theon Greyjoy sure does. But uh, yeah, I, I, I have that image. And then if we were to go older, especially knowing that this character is going to be coming back in some form, I thought we might hit the button and maybe get Willem Dafoe <gasps> <Willem>! here. <laughs> Willem! I, I clasped my hands to my chest like a like a lady clutching her pearls upon the mention of the Defoe button. You know, I, th- I think in that case, let's just go ahead and lock that in. I'm just <laughs> going to go with Defoe now. Sam, are you willing to, to pick up Alfie Allen as your casting then? Because we're just trading these around now. Or in the spirit of this episode, should we both go with Willem Defoe? No, I have one actually. Okay. okay. No, that's probably a better if this idea. Is... If this is going to be a recurring character and my brain gets to have fun with him more, um, then I'm going to go with Eugene Hutz or Hoots or whatever. Um, he is uh, the leader of the band Gogol Bordello. Um, he's a real-life gypsy, um, and he's got that kind of gypsy wandering attitude that if we're seeing Felt more than once, Felt might have. That is an interesting-looking fellow. Yeah interesting story too i I think i believe he's ukrainian 
um, and a gypsy, and he just kind of wandered all of Europe and then wandered all of America, wandered all of South America, and uh, makes music the whole is way. He, does he just so, is he of check out Golo Bordello descent or does he just wander about? The word gypsy is very loaded. Yeah. Well, he he describes himself as a gypsy. Okay. Uh, according to his Wikipedia article, uh, he was uh, born to a Ukrainian-Lithuanian father uh, and a Ukrainian mother uh, who is half Servitka Roma. So does actually have Romani ancestry. Can't stop looking at him. So there you go. Eugene Hoots. He's also 49, so he's the right age. I'm also entranced by the heart. And he has a mustache in this photo that you've sent us, which is one of the only <laughs> things that we have for Felt's description. I was going to mention the mustache. I specifically picture like the Chester A. Arthur mustache where it goes into the sideburns. Mm. And I would love to see that on Willem Dafoe. He's he's had his mustache styled in a lot of ways. I'm not, yeah, no, I, I'm sure he can do it. I'm just saying I also would love to see that specific mustache on Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Also, who is the hot lady on this cover with him? I am asking for a friend. I don't know. I don't speak Russian. I do, but I don't see the name that... What's the guy's name again? Eugene Hoots. Um, uh, his name is not anywhere on this cover, I don't think. So I doubt that the Damn woman's it. name is. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, uh... Oh, wait, wait. Uni... Uni... Tau... This is no, great podcast it. material. It is... <laughs> It sure is. For to to fill everyone in, look at this cover in Russian, everyone. Yeah, Sam has has linked us to a a magazine cover from Vogue magazine in Russian. It does appear to specifically be Ukrainian Vogue, judging by the uh, um, actual. Yes, title. I should say the the text is Cyrillic. I should say it. Yeah, it said like. Uh, in the O of Vogue, it says Ukrainian. So, yeah, it's Ukrainian. And the hot lady is a fashion model, so that makes sense as to her magazine presence and hotness. Music and moda. I don't know moda. Anyways. Back to our <laughs> audio content. We're, we're, we're deeply sorry, listeners. We're not actually that sorry. I'm not. I don't get to flex my Russian muscles very often. I'm happy I got to do a little bit there. Flex my Russian muscles is a euphemism of some sort. <laughs> Rafo. <laughs> It's a euphemism for Duolingo, I guess. Yeah, fair. Okay. Th that's pretty much it for casting. We've seen everyone else before. I don't know if anyone has had a, a major personality change that, that deserves a recasting. Uh, I know we we discussed how it seems like Cliss actually... It, it's Sam, you mentioned that you were more confident in your choice there. Yeah, yeah I... I... I still think Mae Whitman is a pretty good choice. I'm also happy with Beanie Feldstein as mine. I still think that still fits pretty well. There you go. Very nice. So in terms of what's to come, this it's interesting because the amount of book that's left left to come is getting less and less, but it's still rife for predictions. So I'm I'm very curious to hear what each of you have coming the up here. The amount of things happening continues to increase despite the page count decreasing. Right. I don't like that. Stop that. I have a couple. Okay. Uh, do you want to start, Caleb, or I can start? I don't have a lot. Um, it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of I've set up a lot of theories that I am just kind of sticking with, and I don't okay. have a lot of new ones at this point. I I've, I'm I am sad that Ham is going to die a horrible, painful, tormenting death, um, oh, no. and will act as essentially 
uh, a martyr for the rest of the soldiers is now my main guess. Um, and I think Kelsier is basically... Kelsier's not going to be the one to kill him, but Kelsier is definitely in on the fact that Ham is about to get essentially sacrificed. Um, and yeah, being a martyr is really the only reason I would think Kelsier would be like actively integrating that into the plans. Um, otherwise, I have no idea why he's so intent on um, being okay with Ham dying, which it really feels like he is. Um, so that's kind of my main guess at this point. Ham said like 10 words this whole section. Yeah, and not a lot of them screamed to me, oh, this guy's going to live forever. I mean, I don't think any of these characters, I mean, well, I suppose the Lord Ruler has lived forever thus far, so I can't even say that. Yeah. But several of these characters do not have high opinions of their own life expectancy. I am now like picturing what's the wrongest I could possibly be, and I think it would be Ham inherits the power of the Lord Ruler and in fact lives forever. <laughs> that is, that would be pretty spectacularly wrong. <laughs> Probably won't happen, but would be interesting if. <laughs> I'm going to put that on the chart with a big emphasis on probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of starting to, I'm, just, I'm still trying to brainstorm. I have not connected the dots for what Kelsier's secret plan is. That's kind of the big yeah. thing that's hanging over it, isn't it? Yeah, and it bothers me because I feel like I, I feel like when I finally figure it out, I'm gonna go, oh man, I, the pieces were definitely all there, and I couldn't, I just couldn't connect the dots. And that's a, that is a very satisfying feeling because it means the book was written very well, but it also is as someone who is investing a lot of time into Attack on Titan Brain, still just personally frustrating when I can't figure something out that I feel like oh, I should have gotten that. Um, but there's, there's the, the, having the fun surprise of it is also a very fun experience. So, um, I am, despite the fact that I don't have any strong ideas for what it is, I'm looking forward to finding out, even though I imagine part of myself will be beating myself up for not getting it. Um, I, yeah, I just feel like it just seems like his plan A rather than his plan B is killing the Lord Ruler, but he has been open that that is on his docket. So it's, I don't know what he needs to keep so secret. Mm. Um, that's that's what's that's what's messing with me i will say i don't remember if i shared this anecdote before and i'll cut it if i have um just speaking of uh like the the satisfaction of figuring things out or or seeing the answer when you couldn't figure it out uh in the second book uh there is a there's a mystery that's kind of very explicitly presented like to the characters of we need to figure this secret out and then they spend a good portion of the book trying to figure that out. Uh, and I realized what the answer was about three pages before the reveal nice. happened, uh, which is is enough time to proverbially yell at the horror movie screen at yeah, these yeah. people who are walking into their death. Yeah. So that was that was a fun experience. All right. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely. We've got some stuff stacked up. We'll see what we can figure out if there's anything at all we can figure out about Kelsier um, and what his plan is. But we've only got seven chapters and an epilogue left to see. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Sam, what do you Sam, have on, you got? Uh, on your roster? All right. So I, I have some, some dingers here, but uh, this week didn't leave a lot to chew on as far as like predictions because you, you, we're three quarters of the way through the book by now um 
So things have, we're not chatting about, you know, what the loop the loop is going to be like on the lift hill anymore. We've, we've crested the lift hill. Yeah, there's too much descending and screaming and waving your hands around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I question, uh, as I've said, if epigraphs have a point anymore. Um, and then uh, I think that the question that that arose with me is, did Alamancy exist prior to the Ascension? Mm -hmm. And since we've now read through the epigraph, I kind of think that it didn't. That, that the ascension had something to do with the creation of allomancy. Um, and I further think that the logbook might have ended on purpose uh, right when he figured this out. Okay. Um, to to kind of keep it secret. Or like he, you know, he wrote it, but then he destroyed it later when he saw that it could be used against him or something like that. Right. He realized um, that there was information in here that would be valuable in kind of a large world sense. Right. Yep. Something something like that. Uh let me see going on from there. Um I think who this is this is my, my Kyle Schwarber swing here. Um I think that uh the Lord Ruler da 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 uh can burn ferrochemical metal. Um, okay. I th I think that's why he wears all the jewelry and such. Um, I think he's able to multiply his powers by burning um, the ferrochemically enhanced metal. Um, he's able to use both at the same time. Um, I think that he uh, possibly has terrorist slaves that store the energy for him. Um, I think that he is immortal because terrorist men are storing up age for him. That would that would dodge Sazed's what he said about how you have to store it up if he can access someone else's that's a it's a pretty messed up way to do it but it would work right well yeah and that's the main thing is it's that that does break the rules that says it has established of oh you have to burn your own but that being said we have already seen the lord ruler kind of breaking the rules of allomancy so um it would be it would be interesting to see that and even if it doesn't end up being the lord ruler having any character in this series have access to both Alamancy and Farukami would be an inter interesting sight. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be down to take a look at what that looks like. Yes. Um, let me see. Where did I leave off? Uh, I think um, he's either got terrorist blood or he found a way to burn it. Um, but as we we <clears throat> already saw in this section, um, just because the rules say that you can't do something doesn't mean that you actually can't do it. Yeah, we, we've seen one pretty clear example of the character's in-world understanding of this system is not complete. So it's probably close, but just because Kelsier says you can't pierce a copper cloud doesn't mean that you can't pierce a copper cloud. Right. It, from my experience, you can't do this, but that doesn't mean that you actually can't. Yeah, so that's my, my big swing. Uh, and then just going chronologically here, uh, I'm hoping Elend comes through as something. <laughs> um, Does that mean like a magic user or see, just like, just becomes, same, man. Uh, becomes same. more of a person? <laughs> so here, so three episodes ago, I said his name in the same breath as Thomas fucking Jefferson. Sure did. Last episode, it seemed like he'd be a threat. 
what with the whole follow her and everything thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it seems like he's just a fucking dunce. <laughs> like, what? Uh, how far, how the mighty have fallen. See, I'm actually, as established, I'm kind of in the opposite camp. Because as I said earlier, the stupider he gets, the more on board <laughs> with him I get. Uh, well, I mean, you know, as I'm learning more about him, it's it's personifying to, to see him as more of a character as who he is. But it's not satisfying because I want him to be a cool guy. and <laughs> He's not so far. Oh, I wrote him off as cool long ago. I don't know. Or he's becoming not. So I think that uh, he gets that Vin wants bad, large things mm-hmm. um, it, written boldly. Um, but I don't think he wants to confront this fact because he likes her. And he's going to have to. And something's got to break one way or the other, I think, is is what this leads to then. My next note is either way, motherfucker better smarten up quick because people, including and or especially his own father, want him dead. Yup. Like, time to wake up, Ellen. Let's go. It's business time. I would ask, what more do you need? Straff telling you that he wants you dead? Only to remember that Straff has told him to his face, man, I wish you were dead. Yeah. Yeah. Things would be so much easier for this house if you just were dead. So, so there you go. Uh, and there's my my punches for this week. That does make me. I'm just you know in terms of in terms of comic book theories. I just I am very curious. In I, I don't mean this in like a, a joking way. I wonder how Ellen plays into the end game. Like once the heist happens, what it, it, they've they, the story has invested so much in Ellen that he's probably going to be involved in some fashion. But like how and why like what how does how does the the stakes are escalating here and a fairly oblivious just normal person can't really cut it right now i think (laughs) doesn't seem like much of a strong team player no (laughs) no i i i am worried and he will he will even lower further in ranking for me if this happens I am worried he's going to basically show up in the middle of the heist and be like, Vin, I understand now. I get your... Sorry. Valette, I understand yeah. you. I know everything about you, Valette. Um, and just kind of throw a wrench in things due to his sheer obliviousness to what's going on. Um, but I don't know. I It would be cool if he kind of figures out what's going on and then like on his own finds some way to sabotage the nobles so that the heist goes the, 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 he he undoes some trap that has been laying or something like that i he would win some points if he was able to do that if he just gets in the way my opinion of him is not going to change much <laughs> and currently sure seems like he's just going to get in the way i think the star wars ending would be ellen kills straff um but i feel like that's a little too easy um, and also yeah. how at least right right now in yeah right now in the amount of development that we've seen for these characters it seems like that would be a little quick yeah i don't think ellen is capable of murder at this point me neither yeah he's not he's not there <laughs> so i don't like that there was typing in response to that oh we we've been chatting excessively during this whole segment some of which is just completely in like there was a whole section where we were i I was talking about the reveal that i figured out um in the second book 
but yes. other other discussion has been about the predictions that have been made. There's lots of stuff going on. I I know when I'm close when I hear noisy <laughs> typing. No, it's either you're really close or you're oh, so yeah. far yeah. off and they're laughing at us. That's yeah. it's it's uh, it's one or of the two. Or Justin is taking notes in the spreadsheet. That's true. I do that for every prediction. So yeah, but you type noisily when you're excited. I will say someone someone earned a lot of podcast points. There there are just all... now. <laughs> during today's episode during today's episode lots of points the the cool thing is with uh with so little book left we actually get to have some realizations very soon yay next page it's as sure as a shame that pam died then wiped a tear he's such a good martyr the shan thing was like the the chapter after we met her or something yeah. I predicted yes. that. Oh yeah, you called so that so early. early on based on so little evidence. <laughs> she was soothing her and I was like, there's gotta be more. That was predicted. Hang on, it is in the charts. Uh, episode six, uh, which is in fact when we, we met her, uh, your prediction was that Shan will be a more significant adversary than she appears, possibly a Mistborn. So ha. just brilliant. <laughs> there you go. All right. I think it's time to to wrap this episode up though and uh get the next chapters on. Board. Oh yeah. Uh cuz the next chapters are uh the end of part 4. That's 32, 33 and 34. So that'll wrap up the part and uh after that all that's left is finishing the book. So I am I'm really excited for this. We could all do our like little goofy outros, but I feel like Caleb's thing just I has was to be. Gonna say, here. We don't we yeah. don't need to say anything. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go I don't understand why that can't just be left in in the intro. It was a normally it was a normal amount of time to spend on introducing myself as a host. I don't I'm just know. Just gonna go eat some cheez its while that plays and let that let it do the work for me. <laughs> Alright. I think that does mean that we should wrap things up here. Uh if you want to get a hold of us uh, have your own podcast point rankings because uh, God knows I'm not keeping track of them. I'm keeping track of enough other things. Uh, it's a very scientific uh, You can email algorithm. us. It takes a while to it learn. It sure is. Uh, you can get a hold of us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Alwaysanotherpodcast.com is also where you can find all of these episodes. Uh, we really appreciate people tuning in to give us a listen. Uh, we'd be reading these books anyway, but it's more fun this way. So that's a, it's a nice way to do it. Uh, other than that, I think we start the outro music right around here. And it was Nickelback, by the way, Nickelback was the music video I was thinking of. <laughs> God damn it. We, we have to close these, these narrative threads. <laughs> For the podcast lore. Exa- oh, podcast lore is big, big deal. Caleb, or whenever Caleb and Sam start asking questions, it just sounds like... Have you ever walked out of a mall into a huge parking area and realized you'd forgotten where you parked your car? You ever gone mountain biking? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's the right tip? Have you called a plumber to your home lately? What's the right tip? How much money would it take to make you spend a night in a cemetery? Do you display this as a trophy? Do you have a pet? Do you have a sweet tooth? Do you believe in the power of a curse? Do you have a sweet tooth? Do you believe in the power of a curse? Oh my god! Just have the the sound slowly fade with this playing. Crossfade in the outro music. Yeah. 
visited the Chinatown section and No, I was going to try to make the outro music start right when I said the outro music starts right there. Then you stop it when we mention Nickelback. Restaurants are theme based these days. Have you ever had the desire to Are theme based these days? Hey. All right. I'm stopping the recording. It's late here. It's later in Eastern time. I think we need to wrap this up. I'm Jonathan Frakes. In our modern world, it should be a statistical impossibility that terrible news could consistently arrive three times in a row, just because the same group of people is relaxing in the same location. But tonight, you'll hear the story of a group of friends who seem to be reliving the same nightmare over and over. Could the tale of Kelsier and the curse of...